Whether or not you believe in identified flying objects or not is not the point. You don't know because you lost your bones. You lost everything you had. Um, his balls wasn't feeling right. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught for murder. Anyway, skill horses uh, do not mesh with um, khaki pants. See, so these are where the questions come from. This yeah. is where it stems from. This is what makes it fun. Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. This is a nice little town, Jordan. It's a really nice little place. Where are we at? Well, you know, we're just walking the streets of Point Pleasant, heading our... Oh, cool. There's a Mothman Museum. I wonder if they got t-shirts. Oh, dude, if they do, we gotta get one. Yeah. Like, for real. We'll punch our ticket. Oh, sweet. The the statue is, like, right outside in the middle of the street in front of it. That thing is crazy. It's insane. I mean, it looks nothing like the Mothman. Uh, it's a little I, I, a little more man than Mothman, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, would you say, Power Ranger-ish? It, I mean, especially with, like, the whole... I mean, it's kind of a gold-steel vibe over the whole thing. It's, uh... What's, that? what's their biggest enemy? Oh, man. Megan... No. Megan... No. Oh, oh, I can't think of it. Yeah, I haven't seen Power Rangers. Dude, it's been so long. But that thing's crazy looking. It we is. gotta see if... We gotta, we gotta stick around and see if the eyes glow. Yeah, like Lucifer from, uh, from Denver. From the pictures, it looks like they glow. I, I sure hope so. We'll hang around, around. We'll get a little bit of bourbon, and then we'll come back. And we'll, but oh, oh, you know what? You know what? All right, Barney, go over there. We'll get you a couple quick pictures next. Time. No, you can't hang on it, man. Oh God, he's bending the wing. Just Barney, no. Yeah, you can't bend a town mat. Oh God. That's why we can't have nice things. Okay, we'll get a couple more, then you gotta bend it back, and then we're gonna go to the bar. You can do your little bunny ears, then we gotta go. Alright, alright. Alright, well, you know, let's let's get into this, Jordan. Okay, well, so this is a follow-up. Yeah. Th- this well, part, is, this is our, two? our first part two that we've ever done, following our, our anniversary episode. But, you know, before I get into anything, any specifics, any of the story, um, I made a, a faux pas on our last one. So I knew I was forgetting one of the, the anniversary shout-outs uh-huh. that people sent in. And I had forgotten. Do you remember the band that we, we had promoted like, way back in the day? Yeah, you, we were, well, you didn't grow up with them, but one of your friends? Yeah, one of my buddies from back in Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, his band uh, Rags and Riches. Yeah. They had sent me one, and I missed it because he, they had <laughs> sent it in a text message and not in an email. And uh, I was just going through the emails. Whoopsie. So before we get anything started, Tanner... So sorry about that, but you're going to be front and center on this episode. Let me play that now. Hey, this is Tanner. And this is Peyton. And we're from the band Rags and Riches. We wanted to personally congratulate Ryan and Jordan on their one year of creepy stories. Here's to another killer year ahead. Thank you, guys. We appreciate that. And they're getting ready to go on tour right now. Rags and Riches, look them up, get tickets. Great band, great show. Check them out. Are they coming out here today? They are. They're going to be if you if you're in the Sacramento area, uh, they're going to be doing a show in Davis on definitely November. So you're getting checking. We're, we're getting tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Sounds good. Night in Davis it is. Um, but thank you so much, man. That was that was really awesome. I'm glad they found time to set aside to do that. No, and it, yeah, I really appreciate it because I mean they're really up and coming. They've had. I, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I won't mention specific names, but yeah. there's been some 
very high profile people reach out to them in their very early career. Mm-hmm. So hats off to them. We in, in planning a tour, like I can't imagine how hectic that schedule must be. So I appreciate the time they took out to do that for us. Seriously. But you were asking about this episode. This is a part two. Um, I So you're not going to hear a lot about the Mothman in this one. That was all the last one. Because okay. see, when I have everything I had researched with the Mothman, I feel like the Mothman gets lost amongst UFO and Men in Black encounters that also happened in Point Pleasant during the time of his sightings. All with, wait, because it was like, what, two, three years? About two, roughly two years for the main sightings. Wow. There's kind of been sightings before 1966 uh, up to now. Mm-hmm. But the main core where he's being seen all the time by 100-plus people um, in this condensed area of Point Pleasant was from uh, late 1966 to... 66 to 67? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had split them up where last last episode we had only talked about Mothman sightings because mm-hmm. I feel like he gets lost in that story, so I wanted to really spotlight him, especially for our anniversary episode. This one is going to be... Now we're diving into the Men in Black encounters and the UFOs, and we're going to talk a little bit about how they do tie into the Mothman or how I think they talk, tie into the Mothman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, these these several events that are just crazy and happening all at the same time, which you see sometimes in certain areas. Um, like there's, I mean, you have things like the Bermuda Triangle. Um, there's the there's an area in the Northeast I can't remember. It starts with a B as well, but there's just triangular circular areas that's really big <laughs> really shapes you see there's just shapes around the world and um sometimes there's three sides and sometimes there's no sides um <laughs> it's all a government conspiracy man that's all it is illuminati but whenever there's there's some areas that are have concentrated events happen where it's it's the whole gambit you've got ufo stuff you got cryptid stuff and you got ghost stuff all going on. The only thing missing from this pie is the slice of ghosts. Mm-hmm. So it's an incomplete pie. Still lots of supernatural, though. Yeah, it's okay. still plenty of going on. We got and, plenty to work with. That's right. So this one, like I said, a lot of men in black, a lot of weird alien stuff, and a lot of weird encounters in general. So, so where do we start? Where do we start? We're going to start with a gentleman named Woody Derenberger. Derenberger? Okay. Derenberger. Are we, uh, we going straight back to 66? We're going to um, November 2nd of 1966. Okay. Which is kind of right before all the big sightings popped up Mm -hmm. of the Mothman. So we're going to play a little interview from from Woodrow Derenberger. Uh, He had ran across an interesting individual, is how I'm going to leave it. Um, He, he, what what did he say? I'm a salesman and I, uh, I drive a truck. I drive a truck. Um, he he's a salesman that works in Ohio and he was on his way home one night that's where his story begins and um, I have a fun little interview for, for you guys here where he talks about it and um, well, I was, he's I a, am salesman, a salesman and, uh, he, and I drive he drives a truck, a truck. and last night uh, shortly after 7 o'clock I was coming from Marietta, Ohio coming down Interstate 77 and just before I came to the intersection of uh, Route 47, there was a car past me, overtaking me from behind. And following closely behind this car was this unidentified flying object. 
And as the car ahead, or the car behind passed me, this object was following close behind it, and it swerved directly in front of my truck, turning crosswise. And when it turned crosswise, it slowed down. It started slowing, not abruptly or too fast, but it gave me plenty of time to step on my brakes and slow down with it. But it forced me to come to a complete stop. As soon as I had stopped, there was a door opened in the side of this vehicle, and this man stepped out and came directly to me, or came to the truck. He walked to the right-hand side of the truck, and he told me to roll down the window. He asked me to roll down the window on my right-hand side of my truck, and I had done what he asked. And this man stood there, and he, uh, he first asked me, what I was called, and I knew he meant my name, and I told him my name. And uh, he asked me, he said, uh, why are you frightened? He said, don't be frightened, we wish you no harm. He said, we mean you no harm, we wish you only happiness. And uh, I told him my name, and when I told him my name, he said he was called Cold. That was the name that he was called by. And he asked me what the city of Parkinsburg, he pointed to the lights. He didn't point, but he gave the impression that he was pointing, and he asked me what that was called. And I told him it was a Parkinsburg, it was a city, a town. And he asked me if most all the people lived in my, this city or town. And I explained to him uh, that it was a place of business. It's where we transacted our business, that the people lived in communities, outlying communities, most of the people. And when I told him that this was a city, he said that his, where his home was, that that was called a gathering. And uh, again, he told me not to be frightened, which I was. I was, I was very frightened. And as far as I can understand, this was all mental. There was no spoken words from him. I knew what he was asking me, but yet he stood there and his mouth did not move. He had a smile on his face. He, was, he appeared very courteous and friendly. And after I talked with him a while, he told me he would see me. He said, we will see you again, and he left in his vehicle. Now, Mr. Dernberger, for the sake of our television audience here, uh, yes. and he did not move his lips nor utter any sound whatsoever. He, he talked with you in, in telepathy then. That was right, that his lips did not move. He uttered no words at all. But you talked. I mean, you, he did Yes, I talked. He told, me, he told me twice that I could either talk or I could think which either would be better or easier for me. This was an instant thing. This wasn't, there was no hesitation on his part nor on your part. You knew immediately what he was That's communicating correct. to you, and he knew immediately what you were communicating to him. That is right. Yeah, so that's that was Woody's sighting. Uh, he ran into a UFO, and, and someone came out that was very humanoid. It sounds like a really pleasant interaction with him. So it didn't necessarily seem, I, I don't think I heard alien once well he didn't say the word alien but 
cold came out of this machine. This craft, yeah. Which was very alien-like. Mm-hmm. I'm just, it was, it's, it's interesting to me that the, that's not what it was labeled or even brought up. And I think that kind of says a little bit toward him. And one thing I didn't mention before we, we listened to this was, this was done the day after his sighting. He okay. was on television and radio talking about this. Well, I mean, it sounds really clear-headed. I mean, it gives a really good description of mm-hmm. the whole situation. Mm-hmm. So, And the only thing, I, I can't remember if he had mentioned it or not in this specific interview, but the only two things that really, well, the whole telepathy part, but the only two things about how uh, cold, as he was called, carried himself that was really weird was he was smiling the entire time with this huge grin, and he had his hands tucked into under his arms. Huh. The whole time. Um, but he didn't have, like, weird hands, because some people were like, oh, he's like a reptilian, and he's hiding his hands. At the end, um, there was someone that helped him into the craft, and Woody saw his hand outstretched, and he was like, it was a normal human hand, mm-hmm. like, nothing crazy. He looked like a normal guy. Um, this was just really weird, and he talked to me through his head, and he said a lot of things, like he was trying to learn about what our society was like, like he'd never been a part of it. So he said that the... That the being cold, I suppose, um, told him that he would see him again. That he would see them again. Do you? Was there any other any follow up indicator? Or, that's that's like my biggest, you know, uh, question, I suppose. But only because that you don't commonly hear that they're you know going to make a return trip to. Uh, you see actually you specific. do, almost a lot of the times, which I think it's kind of. Those sightings, I believe, run-ins, I believe, a little less likely. But almost all, all the time, people will say that at the end of their sighting, they're like, we will be back, or we'll be watching you. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty common with UFOs for them to say they're going to come back and, and things like that, which he did have another encounter. I don't think it was to this magnitude, mm-hmm. but I can't remember the details, so I'll let you guys do some extra research on your own with that one. Nice. But but he did have another encounter, I believe. We'll get fact-checked on emails. If not, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Send um, them over. But that was... So that's Woodrow Derenberger. And this, like I said, this was November 2nd of 66. is kind of like literally days with before within the whole Mothman kickoff. Uh, Cold said specifically he was a seeker. That that was his job, if okay. you will. Uh, a seeker. And that's what leads me to the whole Mothman alien thing. Yeah. Because there's some UFO stuff going around around the time he's here. Cold showing up before the Mothman's scene saying he's a seeker. Is now, that before the first Mothman yeah. sighting? Yeah. Oh. And, well, before the big ones. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you remember the conclusion of the last episode, but I left you on a teaser saying I think that he might have been something lost from, from some UFOs. Yeah. Most of that's because you have all these men in black people coming around asking questions. Specifically, you have Cold showing up saying he's a seeker. What are you seeking, Cold? You seeking knowledge? I mean, you're asking about cities. That's fair. But are you seeking the Mothman? They're looking for a pet project gone wrong. Wrong, gone very wrong. Mothman just wants some friends, but he can't help from turning a pink eye. He's just so ugly. <laughs> yeah, and he gets everybody pink eye. Poor Mothman. He's got a cool statue now, though, even though it's nothing like him. Sorry, he looks like Goldar. That's the Power Rangers one. Damn it. Well, there you go. Goldar. There you go. So that's that's Woody Derenberger. Let's now, from here, um, 
we'd mentioned John John Keel a lot in the in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where a lot of this comes from. The majority of documentation for these sightings during this time come from another author named Gray Barker, John Keel, and then the newspaper clippings from the Times. Is John Keel the ones who's like stuff went on to become a movie? Right, okay. Mothman prophecies. Yeah, Gray Barker was another author who actually had written a book prior to John Keel about the Mothman. But Gray Barker's got some, we'll say, shady history. He's kind of been known for being a prankster. Okay. Uh, so Not as believable. Right. So that's why everyone leans to Keel more than Barker. Um, this is a newspaper clipping uh, that had been written up just before, before John Keel came out. And I found this on johnkeel.com. Um, it is from the Athens, Ohio Messenger on March 20th, 1967. So by this point... We've had several months of Mothman sightings, several months of UFO sightings as well, though, so keep that in mind. So the article is titled, Point Pleasant Area Sightings Continue. Point Pleasant UFO sightings continue to be reported in the Point Pleasant area. One of the sightings was near the Marietta Manufacturing Company. It was reported that there were yellow, green, orange, and white lights around the object. The other sighting came about two hours later around 11 p.m., just north of here. It also had a bright, shiny beam and moved very slowly. A teenager who reported the sighting Saturday said he had he and some others had seen it Friday night near the Silver Bridge, hovering very low and traveling fast. John A. Keel of New York City will arrive in Point Pleasant Tuesday. Keel, an authority on UFOs, has traveled extensively in investigating the subject. He hopes to make some lectures while in Point Pleasant. Keel presented a lecture in New York City Friday night. Has, quote, has the real invasion from outer space finally begun? End quote. The lecture constitutes a serious look at the current outbreak of UFO sightings. He said this is an inside story of what is happening all across America today, including information which has been suppressed until now. Keel's lecture included a discussion of his firsthand investigation of the famous, quote, monster case at Point Pleasant and hitherto unpublished landings in the New Jersey Long Island area. Keel has spent the past year traveling to many parts of the United States, going through police files to uncover UFO and other related cases. Keel's career as a globe-trotting reporter and objective investigator has given him marvelous background for his recent entry into the ranks of UFO researchers. His recent travels have brought him into contact with hundreds of UFO witnesses. His articles have appeared in several publications, including True and Saga, and his reports continue to appear in more than 150 new p- newspapers throughout the world. I didn't know he was so prominent before he actually did the Mothman thing. Yeah, yeah, he was deep into it. Um, so I thought that was a good little intro article um, to kind of give you get just an overview of who Keel was. Because if all this information is coming from this guy, you want to know who, who the author is. They said that he had taken down, or like that he had potentially... Um, read about something like the first monster case in Point Pleasant? What, what were they referring to? They were referring yeah. to the Mothman. Oh, they just okay. didn't want to say the Mothman. Gotcha. Um, which, I mean, who knows? At that time, it might have been trademarked by whoever was the original publisher that called him the Mothman. Mm-hmm. And this was in March 20th of 1967 that this was written. So I assume by this point he's already made trips down there to investigate things in for, for the monster. Because, um, yeah, because they said that he had made a, a lecture in New York about it so he's a resident expert resident expert actually he's a foreign expert 
foreign experience. Yeah. So he's been traveling around. He's from New York originally. So that's John Keel. That's who the info is coming from. Mm-hmm. We've already had one situation with with cold, and now we're going to have a lot of men in black sightings. So I think right now is a good point to like stop and talk about what men in black even are. Because we've mentioned it a lot. We've not really talked about what it is. We've seen the movies. <laughs> but I really want to see that new one, though, with uh, the guy that plays Thor and the girl that's Creed's girl. I heard it was pretty good. I feel horrible because I don't know their names, especially about especially about the actress. Because mm-hmm. she's like a really strong female actress, so it makes me feel extra insensitive for not knowing her name. But I love them both. She was also in uh, Ragnarok. She was also in Westworld. And she was awesome. So they've done they've done a couple things. But yeah, I haven't seen that one. I can't wait to. But Men in Black, they it's not been nailed down. There's a couple different theories about Men in Black. Mm-hmm. The first thing, so Men in Black are men or women in some cases, but typically men uh, that show up to your house, to your place of business, uh, random places. They're typically in in a normal black suit, black tie, white shirt. Sometimes they have a fedora on. Uh, sometimes there's a lack of hair. Sometimes, I mean, people have reported no, like they're bald, no eyelashes, anything like that. Sometimes they're just normal guys, but all in black. And you have to have alopecia to join the ranks. (laughs) (laughs) Usually they show up after a UFO sighting or after a cryptid sighting or after, usually it's those two, not so much ghost stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that's all fake. We're here for the real stuff. (laughs) <laughs> they show up and they're like hey that thing you saw that you've thought about talking about or you have talked to people about yeah you better stop that and sometimes they leave it at that and they go away or they're like you better stop that or we'll hurt your family and then they leave and I'm sure they're well I mean I wonder if uh, maybe bribes involved no potentially? No. no bribes they're, they just show up and, and sometimes people have reported weird interactions like they're very socially awkward uh, that almost like they don't understand correct usage of the English language. Like they know the words, but they're not quite. The, their sentences are pretty choppy. So well, this, Tommy Lee Jones is pretty antisocial. Right. I mean, let's be real. He just wants to sit in a room by himself with a cigar and some whiskey. <laughs> I feel you just with a couple friends around, Tommy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not totally alone. <laughs> but so this has led a couple things. Sometimes people people either think this is the government. And then it's agents of the government, similar to the movie idea, um, where it's a government agency and they're coming out and they know about these things beforehand and they're coming out to be like, hey, you need to shut up or we have inside info and we can take you down. Or it's aliens trying to pass themselves off as officials to pretty much clean up their mess because Tommy came down and was a f***ing idiot and crashed a ship. Now we have to go down there and shut some people up. So we get down there and we put our human suits on and try to make it happen. That's an interesting take on it, that they're aliens too. Which makes more sense with the awkward interactions that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to read a few Men in Black encounters now, so that way we can kind of see. It doesn't always happen, but it definitely has happened in Point Pleasant. Let's hear their verbiage. No, Barney, you can't have... A suit. We can't have one tailored for you. Do you know how much that's going to cost? I'm sorry, buddy. There's not that much fabric for you. You'd bust out of it in a minute. Like, you would look very dapper. They don't make a 15X, though. No. Like, 
And we besides that, like your shoes, like there's no way. What what are you like a size forty two? Like, Dude, all right. We gotta get him. We gotta get him bigfoot slippers. <laughs> he. They're so, but they're so calloused. He he doesn't need them. He doesn't. You know what, buddy? We'll find you some cool sunglasses, and then and then we'll call it out a day. Okay? You want to feel cool? You want to have some shades? All right, all right. We'll get you there. Back to back to these men in black. Back to these Cheetos. Hot lime Cheetos. We're munching them down. Mm-hmm. If you would love to sponsor us, we would love to have you. And if you're not hot lime Cheetos. Get out of here because you're not as good. That's not true. That's <laughs> not true. I mean, we do love them, but we would also be happy to take your sponsorship. Just mm. reach out to so us. Tasty. Creepy Campfire Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> good plug. <laughs> <laughs> on your feet we, we, we have to show that we can advertise before <laughs> we can advertise. And I'm sorry, you guys. I know you don't want them, but if we can have like two or three advertisements for like 30 seconds and we can make money off of this, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to take it. Plus, we need new mics. My laptop sucks. Like, we want you to have a better show, so sorry, we're going to, have to try to have we some need to advertisements. upgrade that editing software. I'm saying, I'm, I'm doing my magic, I'm working the best I can, but I want to give you guys the best. But, enough of that, Men in Black sightings. Now, these are specifically ones that have been written about in the Mothman prophecies, okay? Okay. So, like, John Keel, this is, like, sourced from him, too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Men in Black frequented Point Pleasant, and they interviewed witnesses of the mothman and ufos uh acquaintances of the people that were witnesses uh on what they had seen so there was a a journalist named mary Heyer. she was very close with john keel had a lot of communication with john keel Mm -hmm. and she was speaking to a majority of these witnesses and writing about them for the paper so a friend kind of like his assistant no they were just they were just close not in like a romantic way or anything but she was his kind of local connection. Helping him out with this. Yeah. Like, yeah. she knew the people, so if John Keel showed up with her, people felt more comfortable. Makes sense. And, I, and before I say this, I love that part of America, so don't take this to offense. I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains in Kentucky, right nearby. Um, but there are very tight-knit communities around there. So if you're not from there, there's a little bit of skepticism about your intentions. Um, so it helps when you show up with somebody that is from there. So when he John Keel was making his initial interviews, he was with Mary Hire, mm-hmm. and what's your in? Right, she was his in, and once he was around for a little while, people got real comfortable with John, and they trusted him a lot. Um, so then he got he was fine on his own. But Mary Hire was his way in, and she was one of his main sources of information. Okay. So a friend of Mary was a Mothman witness named Dottie Campbell. She spoke on the subject of these Men in Black interviews that she actually encountered she said that she and mary were frightened by them and that higher had mentioned to her that these strange men never blinked their eyes mothman witness linda scarberry which if you remember that's like the big like car chase one of the scarberries mm-hmm. said in an interview quote the men in black wore black suits black hats and sunglasses they drove black cars cadillacs usually they looked like human beings but their skin was somewhat transparent you could see their veins in their hands very clearly. Their fingers were longer than normal person's fingers as well. Daddy shook hands with them, and he said they were awkward in shaking hands. They seemed to not know what to do or how to shake hands. She said one of the cars would follow us around. There were three men in the car. The men in black went so far as to follow us through the drive through of a restaurant. We were afraid to turn around and just looked in the mirror at them, end quote. A man and woman carrying a camera visited Mothman witnesses, Steve and Mary Millette 
other couple that was in that same car. Yeah. Wanting to take a picture of them. The Millettes took down the license plate of the Volkswagen, but the police said their number was non-existent. Mothman witness Faye DeWitt Laporte said that when her and her brother tried to return to the TNT area a few days after their sighting, it was blocked off by two men in black who would not let them enter. Those are some, some general ones from a few people that we've already known to see the Mothman specifically. So this was like the... the yeah. Did, did these men in black have come by uh, pretty quick after? You know, on the specific dates, I'm not totally sure on, to be honest. But if you would like to, I really recommend to you listeners as well checking out the mothman prophecies which i plan on owning very soon but i'm sure it's got well, i mean this seems like it's all around the same time it's so. de- it's definitely within um the the year year and a half period the mothman was around. yeah yeah so and then we have uh, a lady named connie carpenter she encountered the mothman at 8 15 a.m on february 22nd of 1967 Mothman witness Connie Carpenter was walking to school when a black 1949 Buick pulled up alongside her. The driver opened his door and asked for directions. He seemed to be a clean-cut young man of about 25 or so with thick, neatly combed black hair and a deep suntan. There's that suntan again that Ingrid Cold had. Well, I said Ingrid. Actually, that's how I know for sure there was another sighting of him because he had just introduced himself to Cold to Derenberger. Later on, he had mentioned a first name of Indrid Colt. To who? To Derenberger. Oh. Yeah. So, gave him a first name? Yeah, gave him a first name. But I don't have that story, so I'm not going to go into any more details. But either way, Derenberger had said that Colt had had this deep suntan, and here we have Connie also mentioning a young man, clean-cut, all-black suntan. Keep that in mind. When Connie got closer to the vehicle, the stranger suddenly ordered her to get in and grabbed her by the arm, trying to pull her into his car. She managed to get away, but the sleeve of her blouse was ripped in the process. She ran back to her house and locked herself in. The next day, a threatening note was slipped under the door, reading, Be careful, girl. I can get you yet. What? That's not weird. (laughs) Be careful, girl? I can get you yet. I I mean... It seems like they know who they're messing with. You wouldn't. They can't just go by names. We just be careful, girl. Girl, you better be careful. You, <laughs> I can get you yet. Well, girl, it, and it's hard. It's, These men in black in, encounters—they'd be the easiest, easiest things a hoax. Mm-hmm. It, you literally just have to go out and get a black suit and act a little weird. Bam, you're a man in black. Yeah. So I understand the pushback from it. Um, it's the people they're targeting, which, I mean, again, you could be pranking these people because they're people that have been bold enough to speak out and say, hey, I saw something weird, which, poor them. Like, I was going to say, how messed up would that be? Like, they're just trying to say, hey, man, like, I saw something weird and this is what I saw, and now people are picking on them right and left. So some people say that these men in black encounters are just these people being pranked or picked on or honestly harassed it's not a prank at that point you just ripped a lady's blouse and scared the crap out of her and left a note like you harassed her yeah if this is a person and not an actual men in black and if the men in black isn't actually aliens covering their tracks exactly (laughs) exactly full circle which i think makes for a better story or maybe it could even be it could be the government working in tandem trying to clean their mess up for them but these weird interactions like not being able to shake hands. Like everybody knows how to shake hands. It's like the first thing you teach a baby. Maybe it's like us trying to slowly integrate them into society, but in the meantime, they have to have a job that's surrounded by, that's focused on like 
stuff that already has to do with them. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Anything's possible at this point, man. It, it really is. So then now we have Marcella Bennett, which, if you remember, is the lady that fell on her daughter yes. or dropped her daughter, saw the Mothman. Uh, he creeped up on her porch. Got pink eye. Tried to, tried to get in the door and freaked him out. Yeah. Marcella Bennett's encounter... She was also a witness. Um, she had a small daughter, Tina, who she may or may not have fell on. Uh, they were driving just outside of Point Pleasant when a red Ford Galaxy began to follow her. The driver appeared to be wearing a bushy wig. She slowed down for the vehicle to pass her, but instead it tried to force her off the road. She sped up, but the Ford then raced around her and parked sideways in the narrow dirt road blocking her path. Marcella warned her daughter to hold on as she hit the gas pedal to the floor. The stranger in the red Ford pulled away hastily and allowed her to pass. She had never seen the man before and never saw him again. Hmm. So, supposedly every person who saw or had interaction with Mothman has been visited by these people now? Yeah, all the major sighting people have ran across these, these men in black people. And then now we're going to get into Mary Heyer herself, who's been talking to not just the main witnesses, but all these witnesses, Mothman, UFO, all of it. Mm-hmm. So Mary Heyer has got some really weird ones herself. Are you good on water? Don't forget your bourbon. You still got a little more to go. I know, man. I'm, I'm sipping it. Yeah, Maker's is definitely a little bit more of a burning bourbon. Maker's Mark, if you'd like to sponsor our podcast, we'd be happy to take you. You're my favorite <sighs> bourbon. Woo! Shot of this wouldn't be bad. All these free plugs, we just need to get paid now. Yeah, come on. All right, so Mary Hire. On the night of January 1967, reported Mary Hire was working late in her office opposite the county courthouse, and an unknown man walked in the door. He was described as very short, about four feet six inches tall. That's short. Yeah, very short. And had strange, dark, deep set eyes covered by glasses with thick lenses. He was wearing odd shoes with very thick soles, which probably added an inch or two to his height. He had long black hair, cut squarely like a bowl cut, and spoke in peculiar, low-halted voice. The man asked for directions to Welsh, West Virginia. To Welsh? To Welsh, West Virginia. I'm really trying to work on my pronunciations, because I've noticed that my... And this might be my little southernness, but my words just kind of trailing together like I speak in cursive. <laughs> it just never, there's never a break. Nope, so I'm trying to get some definition. Welsh, West Virginia. Welsh, West Virginia. So he was trying to get directions to Welsh, West Virginia and kept getting closer and closer as they talked. His eyes remained fixed on her. Is it just like coming, Jordan, coming a step closer? Jordan's just inching shoulder by shoulder to <laughs> me across the table. <laughs> Very seductive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got a bowl cut Inching his way towards you. Yes. <laughs> okay. Four foot six <laughs> with thick shoes. And Mary was alarmed by this person, so she brought the newspaper circulating manager to her office, and they spoke to this person together. She said that at one point in the discussion, she answered the telephone and noticed a little man pick up a ballpoint pen from her desk. He looked at it in amazement as though he'd never seen one before. Then he grabbed the pen, laughed loudly, and ran out of the building. For reference, I, I looked this up. Ballpoint pens, ball, well, ballpoint rolling pens were patented in 1888, but they didn't start to circulate into common use, especially into the Americas, until about 1963, because there's a Japanese company that was making them at large. Uh-huh. 
So just in case you didn't know when ballpoint mittens were made, because this guy really could have never seen one before, they'd, they'd been around by that point. So this guy is just not from around here. He's thoroughly off his rocker. <laughs> so a little later, actually quite a bit later, on May 5th, 1967, Mary Hire saw the same odd man in the streets of Point Pleasant, the same short dude with the bowl cut. This is 67? This is 67. Okay. This is just in May of that year instead of January. Mm-hmm. This time he was wearing a khaki-colored uniform but still had the thick-soled shoes. He appeared alarmed when he saw her approaching. He ran toward a large black car that suddenly came driving around the corner. The little man climbed in and the vehicle took off. Three days later, on May 8th of 1967, at 11.30 p.m., keeping it specific, appreciate that, John Keel, Mary Heyer was arriving home from a civic meeting. Just as she was on her porch opening her door, a black car stopped outside of her house and a man got out. He snapped a picture with a blindly bright flash and drove off while she was briefly disoriented. On the afternoon, like six months later, seven months later, on the afternoon of December 22nd of 1967, during the Christmas week and after the local bridge disaster, because we talked last time about how the silver bridge had collapsed, Uh that tragedy, two men walked into Mary Heyer's office. Both were short and wore black overcoats and the dark complexions and eastern features they were described to have. When they say eastern features, I don't know if that means um, oriental or if it means Middle Eastern. But dark skin, very tan still, eastern features. I'm assuming they mean oriental by that, of some Asian origin. Of the Orient descent. I'm not, yeah, I don't know. Which I guess makes sense, of, especially if you're thinking of them in the alien aspect, mm-hmm. because the. I'm, I'm trying really hard I don't, I, to not be stereotypical, but the, the, the very pointed eyes, which are usually associated with a person of Asian descent, mm-hmm. which is not at all true, but it's the association, especially we're talking the 60s. Goes along with that association of aliens. Yes. Um, what, um, so there's two guys that come into our office this time. Yes. Neither of those guys are short bowl cut men? They're short, but doesn't describe the bowl cut. Okay, so it's not the same guy. No, this one's not the same. So these two guys show up. They were not interested in the bridge disaster, which literally happened days ago. Not even days ago. Like, well, yeah, within a couple days of the bridge collapsing, they did not care at all about the bridge that collapsed, these 46 people that died, and how the people are affected. Um, they wanted to know about the UFO reports in the area. Hire handed him a large file folder of related press clippings, but they were not very interested in this. They asked her what she would do if someone ordered her to stop writing about UFOs. She basically said that she'd continue anyway because she's got balls. <laughs> is that what the is that what the Kiel it, said? It, it's official. It's written down. Uh, <laughs> the two men glanced at her. Mary went back to her work. She looked up again, and they were gone. Later that same afternoon of December twenty second, another strange man walked into Hire's office. The man introduced himself as Jack Brown. He was about five seven, whole foot taller, still a little short for men's average, mm-hmm. whole foot taller. With black, piercing eyes, unruly black hair, and long fingers. His complexion was even darker than that of the two previous visitors, and he had also these eastern features. 
Mm-hmm. He wore an ill-fitting cheap black suit. <laughs> cheap black <laughs> That's suit. Just cold. Now we're just throwing jabs at him. <laughs> Why are these guys like ranging so drastically? Like, right? I mean, some, it, some departments don't get as much pay. <laughs> it, well, I mean, he's a little taller. The suit can't fit him as good. Right? There's no such thing as tailoring. Okay. Yeah. We're we're shopping at the Baby Gap. Looking like lurch in that suit. Hey. Oh. <laughs> He also had this oddly knotted tie. He claimed to be a UFO researcher and once again asked Hire what she would do if someone asked her to stop writing her articles. Mary asked if he was with the two men that she talked with earlier, and he said he wasn't. The man stammered as he asked about author John Keel and Mary Hire witnessing UFOs in the area. He wanted to know where John Keel was and wanted Mary to take him to the sighting location. Mary told him that she couldn't escort him around town and that she was going home for the night. She dismissed him from the office and told him that he'd have to look around town himself. A strange man then visited the home of several witnesses in the area, including the Scarberry and Millettes, as well as Connie Carpenter. He made all of them very uneasy and uncomfortable. This guy? This guy. Same guy? Same guy. His piercing black eyes stared hypnotically. He was now claiming to be friend of Mary Hire. He brought a tape recorder, yet seemed completely unfamiliar with how to thread or operate it. He didn't seem at all interested with the Mothman or UFO reports. Instead, he asked mostly questions about Mary Heyer and John Keel. Early in the evening, he said he didn't know Keel personally, but later on, he claimed they were good friends to these witnesses. That he, he, he told Mary Heyer he didn't know who he was, mm-hmm. but while he was talking to these witnesses, he was like, oh yeah, you know, me and Keel, you know, we're oh, homies. We're like, like, we go into the bar like every other night trying to pick up some girls, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, she Heyer <laughs> comes with us. She comes, you know, she, she you know, she, she, she's, you know, the homie. She down. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Um, he said that he was a reporter from Cambridge, Ohio, but then inadvertently admitted he didn't know where Columbus, Ohio was, even though the two towns are just a couple miles from each other. This Jack Brown eventually drove off into the night, reportedly never heard from again. Hmm. Some weird stuff. Like Some weird people. Like, 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 like Squatch, like how you feel about that, though? Like, I know. I know. He's not feeling it. It's it's weird. Well, I mean, I would imagine that even though he can't tell us per se, he's probably had a, his run-in or two, where uh, at least some of his friends have had run-ins with uh, with potentially the men in black. I don't know, Squatch. Like, ha- have you seen some men like short between four six and five seven and really? Have you seen the bowl cut? Like the bowl cut with the really bad suits. Black caddies. Apparently they won't leave him alone either. So I guess we'll see him soon enough and we'll let you know. Yeah. He's, he, you don't need to hide. They're not here right now. That's okay. But that's, that's I mean, and we're talking about a reporter here. And a, a reporter for a, a newspaper, not just a tabloid magazine, mm-hmm. who, I mean, your reputation is everything as a reporter. I mean, it, it's it's where your bias comes from. It's how you write these stories. So it's really hard for me to believe this lady's just going out, especially a lady with this profession in the 60s. Can we talk about that right now? I mean, come on. That's impressive. But when you're already at that status, trying to jeopardize your position, because, I mean, I feel like any reporter for the time, for the time wants to write for the times. 
Like, I feel like that's like the benchmark. Like, everyone wants to write for something like the New York Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, those mm-hmm. those major news articles. So why, Coast. why would you jeopardize your credibility as a, as a reporter from, from talking a bunch of bullshit, pretty much? Saying that guys are harassing you that... Well, I, that wouldn't make any sense. Well, I mean, everything from covering the Mothman sightings to these men in black encounters, like both sides of that, I I don't see the benefit of it because there's there's it would make more sense to just be a political writer and make your money that way rather than going this route. So well, maybe it hits home if she's from the area, then. Yeah, and I mean the fact that all of the witnesses of the Mothman, all the major witnesses of the Mothman, have ran into these men in black. Along with Mary Heyer, who's who's interviewed them, mm-hmm. and they did not let up on Mary, and they were very specific with John Keel, wanting to know information about John Keel and her. So John Keel never writes about having met these people himself. Oh, oh, we're not there yet. Okay, okay. <laughs> so that's actually our next section. So let's go on to John Keel versus. It, it's funny. I put all of these as person versus Men in Black. <laughs> so it's like case by case basis. All right. Fight. Keel would chase the men in black and attempt to confront him because he wasn't playing no games. Like, you could not scare off this man. He's like, look, I've traveled around the world looking for aliens. Like, what y'all going to do to me? Uh, take me up in the ship. That's what I'm trying to find anyway. Like, <laughs> take me so, to you later. <laughs> he had the local police in many towns looking for these men in black. Because, I mean, if you think about it, let's say these aren't extraterrestrial people or government agencies then we're talking about major harassment so he's calling the police like hey people are harassing your townsfolk you should probably do something about it which i respect him for um and he's tipping them off he was in west virginia and ohio and people would call his hotel and tell him the men in black were there he'd race over to the location and then they'd be gone by the time he arrived they were at Oh, at whatever hotel? Not not the one that he was staying at specifically? No, no, no. They would call John Keel's hotel, these witnesses that he'd already established a good relationship uh-huh. with. They had trusted him. So they were calling them like, hey, there's some weird people here. And sometimes people would show up and they would say, hey, this guy said he knows you. And he was asking me some really weird questions. And he was like, I don't know who you're talking about. Nobody that knows me is down here right now. I'm new to town, man. Yeah, yeah. So nobody should be here. People would claim to be his assistant. Um, there was a, a specifically a blonde lady that showed up asking some very in-depth questions, claiming to be his assistant. And he's like, I, I don't have one, so I don't know who this lady is. If it's not higher, then uh, yeah, then I, don't, I know. don't know. John Keel said that Men in Black were mainly reported to drive black Cadillacs until he started doing articles about Men in Black driving these cars. At which point, they are said to have switched to Volkswagens. Remember the Volkswagen we talked about earlier? Mm-hmm. The cars... Um, they would drive often had license plates that had never been issued to anyone so they'd run these plates and they wouldn't go to anyone and i think it's very interesting once he starts writing articles about these cadillacs that's when they switch up their game they disappear a mysterious blonde this is the one i was just talking about a mysterious blonde woman in her 30s with a southern accent visited people in west virginia and ohio whom keel had interviewed she visited those he had not mentioned in print. So he hadn't written about these people yet. He had just had like maybe personal notes or had speaking to them in private. But she still knew who these people were, despite having no contact with Keel. So it's like they have tabs on him anyways. Right. She introduced herself claiming to be John Keel's secretary, thus winning instant admission to these people's homes. The clipboard she carried held a complicated form filled with personal questions about the witness's health, 
income and type of cars they owned, as well as their general family background and some fairly sophisticated questions about their UFO sightings. Keo didn't learn about this woman until months later when one of his friends in Ohio wrote him and happened to mention her. One afternoon in the spring of 1967, John Keel and a female friend were walking along 42nd and 3rd Avenue in New York when a stranger with a pointed face deliberately took a photo of them and then turned and ran away. The man was wearing a poorly fitting sports jacket and slacks. And John Keel had also, while he was staying in the area of this, this greater Ohio River Valley Point Pleasant area, mm-hmm. was receiving many mysterious phone calls to his hotel things telling him sometimes they'd be kind of cryptic or just very strange messages and he could never tap uh, get the lines traced mm-hmm. um, so I'm telling him you know he needs to leave and very threatening um, and some sometimes there would be very specific messages to to things that he hadn't mentioned to anyone yet so no one should know about this but he's getting phone calls threatening him about so those are John Keel's specific encounters with these men in black so no he didn't he never concretely met them though like never came across a one that he could actually have a conversation with no no they would either show up and leave or he would just get these one-way phone calls that's so interesting that it sounds like they were looking for him specifically or maybe just trying to find out as much information on him as possible but they're avoiding him at all costs well he's spending every minute just snooping around this town asking questions that apparently they think he shouldn't be yeah so they're like well who is this guy talking trying to get this information about us that we we don't want him to have try to figure out the mothman and, and the ufo sightings and everything that's going on mm-hmm. like i take it pretty much as figuring out do we just need to scare this guy do we need to silence him how do we need to do this and it feels much more from an alien extraterrestrial if you want to put it origin than just a government because of things like the ill-fitting clothes the the wig that um, the person that drove um, Marcel off the road was wearing. It's not like these are completely normal people. These are always people that just seem too out of place. Well, I mean, and they're super awkward in comparison. I mean, because at the same time, well, and before that that time, even we had, you know, we've been sending, we've had spies, we've had people in the government that we don't mess around when it comes to like they're trying to if you're if you're an espionage you're trying to blend in as much as possible you're not sticking out like a sore thumb like these guys sounds like they are bowl cuts and super short and yeah i'm sorry i keep circling back to the bowl cut but um <laughs> i haven't seen one in so jordan long. did you ha- did you have a bowl cut are you resenting no this? <laughs> uh, no i had a mullet for a while but I was, oh, oh, you know, i heard I was, it was a rat tail uh, it was, you know, it went between, it was between the two. It started as the tail, then morphed into the exactly. Right. Yeah, it get longer. <laughs> We're not you talking know, about that right I, now. I appreciate your vulnerability right now. I don't appreciate my parents for letting that happen. <laughs> okay, that's what I don't. Appreciate. Would you let's say let's say your kid wanted to dye their hair green when you have kids? Would you let them do that? Yes. Even as like an eight year old. Yes. I respect that. Yeah. But I just want to know because you don't appreciate your rat tail mullet. Oh, I didn't have a say. I didn't have a say in my hair back then. Wait, wait, wait. Well, they, I was like a little kid. They forced the rat tail on you? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that was like, I was too young to like take myself to get a haircut. So <laughs> I was like, but that's, I was like four, five. Like, I, I had really long hair. I just always had pictured it being like, you're getting a haircut at home mm-hmm. or at the barber with, with your dad. Nope, it was grandma. Or grandma. Well, no, grandma would cut my hair. Okay, and grandma was cutting it. Miserable. <laughs> I just always For picture so long. It, it was a request, not of this is what we're going to try today. Mm-mm. 
Nope, it was me just pitching a fit the entire time, and then afterwards being like, okay, let's never do that again. Cool, I got long hair? All right, whatever. If it. <laughs> if, you, if you've not seen uh, our website, creepycampfirepodcast.weebly.com, first off, I don't blame you because I'm not updated in ages, but I swear I will. I swear I will. <laughs> We're getting there. Um, there is a picture of Jordan on there, but if you've not seen his very clean-cut uh, uh, engagement photo, I think, actually, picture. I'll throw up uh, an OG mullet pic one day if I It'll, can find no, it. No, you won't. No, you won't. I would love to. <laughs> I want to pull one up from my dad. If my dad's got those uh, albums still. He's just he's a very clean-cut individual. Uh, he is a very well-groomed and trimmed beard and very particular haircut that he has done very much more regularly than I do, uh, especially since I cut my own hair. So I still can't get it right. <laughs> I hate my hair so damn much but you're very you're still you're very clean cut i feel you're very more put together than i am um i don't know about that but it's take the compliment we'll see we'll see <laughs> let's see how i look on the wedding day so just that up, I guess. picture that flip to a rat tail it's just very hard to imagine and very good to imagine at the same oh, time that was fun but that's well, I got one final section, and I kind of thought this was funny, so I threw it in at the end, and I, I titled this one The Artsy Photographer Men in Black. These are the men in black that they have a creative soul that needs to come out. What? <laughs> what are you... Just, oh, what, are you, what are you even... Oh, oh look, look, Squatch has his, his pinky up in the air. Yeah, Barney, you sophisticated. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, I think that's the only thing he knows... Doing that way, just this, this is... just just the pinky, just the pinky. Um, so these, so the men in black, in in comparison with these really awkward interviews they have with very broken English, not broken English, that's a bad way to put it, just very weird sentence structures, mm-hmm. um, with, awkward word placement, right, and awkward human interaction. Uh, they they would also just pop up and take pictures of people on the random. So I feel like they just, they have a, they need, I'm sure they're getting, Paparazzi. they're accumulating a file, but they're doing it with style. <laughs> so in October of 67, a man in Ohio was return, returning home from work. He opened the door to his apartment to find an intruder standing in his living room. Oh my God, that's terrifying. The man said, I think he dressed in all black. I couldn't see his face, but he was about five foot nine. I started to fumble for the light switch, and then he took my picture. There was a big flash of light, so bright that I couldn't see a thing. The stranger darted past him and went out the open door. Nothing had been stolen. These photographers would also take pictures of houses after the owners had been witness to some strange things, such as the UFOs and Mothman. Mm-hmm. They'd pull up in black Cadillacs, same cars, take out a big tripod and heavy camera, set it on the tripod, snap a picture of the house, and then put it all back in the car and quickly drive away without ever going up to the door or contacting these people. Some would drive up to the house of a witness who had just had a baby and say they were professional photographers who wanted to take pictures of their baby for them. The new parents were delighted and agreed to have it done. The South, we're trusting, we're loving people. We just think someone's just trying to help us out. We appreciate it. Sure, you want to take pictures of my baby? It's the 60s. Like Kids could run and play freely. It was a good time. The new parents were delighted and agreed to have this done. The men would set up their equipment, take pictures, give the people a business card with the neighboring town listed, then drive away, never return to sell them the photographs. Hmm. 
Now they got pictures of your baby. That's right. super weird. Like, oh my goodness. Oh my god. Um, okay, see, there's just a bunch of creeps. My, how times have changed. Yeah, I mean, you look at the men in black nowadays. and Now we're getting pictures of you with those, like, ring cameras on the front door. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> we, we flipped the script on them. Yeah, those things are... Maybe that's why you don't hear about them anymore. We've gotten too advanced to for the to for them to. Oh no, there's some there's some modern men in black sightings. Oh yeah. There's oh yeah there's some of them caught on like CCTV. Uh, I say caught like it's a proven thing, but it it's still speculation. But it it looks weird. Like if you're bored one like right now after the podcast is over in a couple of minutes, um, just YouTube men in black sightings and you'll see some weird videos. Like obviously it's YouTube. Some of them are hoaxed, but yeah. There, there there's some out there that'll make you question it. Okay. It's not like those prank ones where people are just, like, hidden dressed as clowns and then Ugh. waiting for people to come by. Because I can't believe that there are people that do that in the world. It's so terrible. It's terrible, man. Why do people do that? Because they're horrible. Nothing better to do, I guess. I don't know. It's, sorry. That's just... <laughs> I'll catch Cassie watching, Cassie watching that stuff and I'll be like, what? Why? Why are you... I'm, I'm freaking out just hearing it, so... Get the negativity out of here. Right, I, I ain't got, I got room in my life for that negativity. Uh-uh. This is, this is where we get that out in a constructive way. Right, like we we, we talk about some thing, like some scary th- sightings and things like that, but we we do it lighthearted enough to where it's not negative and yeah. We, we we've been down that road enough. We we want some happiness in our life. Plus, we got Squatch. Right, right. Out, so. He's lightening things up, aren't you, Squatch? Part of the team. That's right. Part of the team. And you know. I think we need to start a little fan club for for Barney. So if you would like to be 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 team Barney, let us know. Send us an email, creepycampfirepodcast.com. We may uh may come out with a new logo just just for Barney so you can get some Ooh, Barney t-shirts yeah. and so this uh just well I mean not like specifically like a new like name of or new face of uh creepy campfire but like you know different designs oh yeah no just an additional design for the store so let us know if you want to be team barney and we'll make some make some shirts up for you but back to this men in black that's that's pretty much all i had for everything that went on Um, a lot of weird stuff and again this was all between 66 67 same time as the mothman it focused mostly around the people that have seen mothman Mm -hmm. and the people reporting on mothman so and all in a specific area right so now i i just jordan what do you what do you think about all of this and and specifically specifically cold and then the rest of these men in black sightings well cold kind of throws a whole wrench in the works for me because again his entered the um woodrow's interview woodrow darenberger darenberger thank you my memory is terrible that interview sounds so well thought out and well, I mean, not like off the cuff, but like, I mean, he's just saying what he experienced and it, no. I mean, he says it in a real way. No, like, definitely. And it's the day after. I, I can't believe he's there the day after mm-hmm. he saw it. I don't usually hop on this, those things like that. Yeah. No, it's incredible. And and I, I've only included a part of his interview. If you would like to just, all you have to do is just Google Woody Derenbergo. Derenbergo. Now he's, now he's selling fashion somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Darren Berger line. Uh, Darren Berger interview, just Woody Darren Berger interview. And you'll see several 
clips come up. Just look for one that's about 30 minutes. That's how long this interview is. Uh, and it's it's a good interview. And the person interviewing him, I appreciate the how specific and and repetitive his questions are to make sure his story is straight. Mm-hmm. But really, like I just I, I feel the longer you listen to the guy, the more you're like, this isn't some wacko. Like it's it's a real guy that just saw something, and he's just telling you what he saw. And he's scared. He's like, he was a little scared. He, you know, tell. I didn't almost. I mean, he was definitely scared at the time, and he expressed that. But I, I thought it was cool how much he wanted to emphasize how polite Cold was to him. Yeah. Which I, if if anything saw me, like, ran up on me like that, I would want them to be that pleasant. He was definitely sympathetic towards him. Because he would, like, stop and be like, no, he said please. Mm-hmm. Like, he said please roll down your window. And then things like that, that just little indicators of, like, he, he was, Cold was doing his damnedest to make Woody comfortable. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that. Um, as much as you can before you, you know, well, after you cut him off. I feel like almost Woody, or not Woody, but Cold was like like the manager of the Men in Black. And then the rest of these guys were like his subordinates. Because Woody was very like customer service focused. He was making them comfortable. He was keeping them happy. And then the rest of these guys are just going around, f***ing around, and just making people feel real weird you got real a quick. bunch of real awkward people and a one f***ing dingus who goes into an office and steals a pen and runs off of it. <laughs> Acting like he's never seen it before, I'm giving you guys away. But what do you what do you think of these? So so okay. First off, do you think Cold showed up and talked to Woody? Yes, from that interview, yeah. Okay, okay. That's why I like to include that. Mm-hmm. It, it, when you hear the person's voice, especially that close to after it happened, I feel like it just gives you a. a it, it makes it harder to say that didn't happen. Like, there's a real good chance that Cold showed up. Well, that. What, Idgrid? Indrid. Indrid? Yeah. That's a cool name. Uh, I don't know. It's so weird. But uh, potentially. Okay. Okay. And then, so that's cold. How about the rest of these sightings? What do you make of them? Do you think there's any validity to them? And if so, who do you think the men in black are? Well, first of all, I have to say that I'm surprised that with all of these people that, that potentially saw similar things that they didn't necessarily talk to each other about it because <laughs> i feel like it would be it'd be you'd be better off if you went and found other people that experienced a similar case as you so you could went and squatted up build a case yeah well i think part of it because this is like st- oh did you get pink eye too oh <laughs> cool we're well kill kill didn't put his book out until about a year, or not, not a year later, till about seventy-five. Well, but they had stuff in the papers about it too. Right? They, they did, they did. Um, but I, I'm not sure how much of it was mentioned by name in mm-hmm. the articles. Um, but I know that when Keel was doing his interview process, he was trying to keep it as as factual as possible. So he was trying not to let these people know who else he had talked to and things like that so that way there'd be no corroboration no building on the story of like that makes sense oh i'm not sure about this part now that i've talked to betty i think i know more of what happened now based off like because hers was really similar to mine and people just filling in each other's gaps so he's really he really tried to stay away from that keep people separate not let people know who all he was talking to so that way what he was collecting all the data and interviews he was collecting would be more accurate well, that makes sense on top of the whole, like, small town, potentially reputation to uphold, and that day and age kind of thing. But, well, I mean, if everybody got a visit that had 
potentially seen, I mean, not even just Mothman, but, you know, whatever UFOs, potential sightings that they thought they saw. If they're all getting visits from people that are in, you know, similar attire and same cards are showing up and stuff like that, then that's hard not to believe, especially such similar, well, like you said, corroborating stories. I think um, it's funny because it feels so organized and unorganized at the same time. Yeah. Because you have these goofy-looking people showing up, but then at the same time, these super coordinated, like, oh, this guy saw me, so then a car sped around the corner at that exact moment, picked him up, and they drove off. Yeah, I just picture him, like, hauling ass around the corner and just, like, hopping into an open car. <laughs> and it's just like they're so planned and unplanned at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you... Like, they can, well, I mean, if potentially if they can communicate in a way that we can't, that they are, because how would that car know specifically to come around the corner at that time that they spotted whatever, if he didn't, like, maybe mentally send off an alert or whatever? Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. Like I said, anything's possible here. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I want to look into more, more black, or, God, black, black-eyed men? Black- <laughs> black-eyed men? Black eyed men. There was one black eyed guy, the the piercing piercing black, black eyes. eyes. Yep, yeah. the the Jackie Brown, Jackie, Jackie Brown, which I'm pretty sure is also a movie from the 70s it about is. a pimp. There's a there's a Tarantino movie called Jackie Brown. Uh, there you go. Oh, yep, 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 yep. That's very good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the visits, uh, as weird as they are, sound like they're happening. I don't know why. Um, that's the I guess that's the big question. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's centered around. Your cleanup crew story sounds fun, like the most fun to believe. I, right. I mean, I, I will admit it sounds more fun than anything else, but it sounds like whoever the origin of this group is, it does sound like a cleanup crew. Yeah. That is essentially what, you know, they're, they're going around getting people to hush-hush. But do you think they're of government origin? Or, I don't, extra, I'll, like I'll, I said, I'll just say like, it, alien origin. Well, like I said, I feel like if it was the government, then it would have been more methodical. And it could be a partnership too. Throwing that out there. True, but that would be real sloppy. That would have been real sloppy because I mean that's some pretty. But what if it's like okay, we'll help you guys out, but look, we got a lot of people out in the field. We'll we'll give you whatever uniforms we got in the back, and you just make it work. Get dipshit to stop stealing pens. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why their suits don't fit because they're getting like bottom barrel stuff and and they're like you know what yeah, okay you can use the Cadillac this week but next week we're really gotta have that back here just just take this beetle just just yeah take. they're getting used to that one so we gotta get something else in there what did you what would the what was look the agent Smith has to go out to Washington he he needs the Cadillac turn it in we'll give you the beetle don't worry it still be black like you'll be fine well what was the red car I can't did you say a red do you say a red Nova or something like that was more like a sports no. car or a- I wish it was a Nova. It was a it was a red Ford Galaxy. Galaxy. That's what it was. And it was Mary Millette. And it was when she got ran off the road. Granted that could have been just some That would be a jerk. Pretty, that would be a pretty funny happenstance uh, name of the car if if he happened to be from <laughs> it's so fitting. an alien agency. So it sounds like there's less government interaction or uh, oversight at least, but to say the least because again I think it would have been we might not have even known that they were there if it was our government, I feel like, because they've been in and out of stuff like that before. We don't know that we were involved until, you know, how how far down the road. And then we hear about it because it's been, you know, through whatever channels it's been leaked or whatever. 
but are you alluding to your MK Ultra episode, Jordan? Yeah, you know, you know. Which, if you've not listened, is a great one. Check it out. That was a fun one. Uh, I think it's titled MK Fine, but we talk about MK Ultra. <laughs> oh yeah, <'cause laughs> MK okay. <laughs> MK all right. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so you're buying it and you're thinking a little more toward the alien because they're so disorganized. Yeah, that's that's really that's super weird. I just picture like I don't know why when he's. When you described the short guy with the bowl cut and the and the thick shoes, I pictured, I pictured Danny DeVito from the specific episode of It's Always Sunny, where he's like trying to be an artist and he's got the bowl cut and everything, and just him being as short as he is, <laughs> the thick shoes and stuff. Oh my god, I just, <laughs> I don't know, I just too I've, much fun. I really feel like it's like, <sighs> so him showing up in your office and being like, hey, stop writing about aliens. Ooh, <laughs> what is this contraption? And then just, just hauls click ass. it. Just click yeah. it. And then just books it out of there. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think that Zorp just was slacking that day, <laughs> and Zorp just like didn't close the shoot. And Mothman popped out, and now they're like, Zorp, get get a mop. Go be useful while we try to clean up your mess. Escaped pet project sounds like the most fun. But I like it. Sounds so- like Little Planet of. Uh, little planet of terrors, or uh, little shop, little shot, little shot, little planet of horrors. That's horrors. it. Enunciate horrors. <laughs> horrors. Little planet of horrors. <laughs> but that that does it with 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 Point Pleasant and the the Men in Black and John Keel and Mary Hire and. Yeah, I want to read those Mothman Chronicles too. Cannot recommend enough Mothman prophecies. Prophecies. Jesus, that's, my memory. That's the one. Check it out. Um, we gotta see if we can score that movie too. Oh yeah, it used to be on Netflix, but it's not. At the, it's not. It's not like a documentary. The current moment. No, no, no. It was like. It's supposed to be. No, it was a little bit dramatized, but you know, it's, it's, I've heard mixed reviews. Okay. Personally, I've not seen it, so I can't say one way or the other. But some people either really love it or they're not about it at all. Yeah. But it's got um Richard Gear. Oh. Yeah, with Richard Gear. Um, but yeah, that that about wraps it up for this one. This one's a fun one. I've really been waiting for this since we very first started the show. This is a big cross off the list for me. But I think it was good to split this one as our first two-parter. Mm-hmm. I think both were pretty pretty good, um, if I do say so myself. Well, I like that you still had Mothman stuff tying into this, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, but especially since all of the, again, all the victims were revisited, essentially. Right, no. Especially since there was, there was another round of weird things that happened with them. It wasn't just left at the one sighting. Mm-hmm. But going forward, just so you guys got a little heads up, um, we're getting into the thick of it because Jordan's getting married on the sixth. Twenty-four days. He's man under a month. Um, I know that feeling. Just over three weeks. <laughs> so, so he's getting into crazy mode. Um, so, oh yeah. It's so we're going to we're actually going to have like a special little session. We're going to record a a series of episodes that are a little shorter than our normal ones, uh, but they're they're going to be much more truer to what a campfire is and they're going to literally just be any spooky stories that we find we're not diving into them much like our urban legends ones we're just going to go out there and find as many spooky stories about ghosts and and monsters and things that we can and they'll probably be about 20 30 minute episodes and we're going to we're going to be publishing those weekly until jordan um, gets back from his honeymoon in about mid-october and then we're going to hit you guys hard with some with some really spooky stuff uh, leading up to halloween oh yeah but got some special stuff planned for them yeah but that's that's what you guys got looking forward to going forward uh we're really excited for it. we've 
can't believe we made it this year so far. Yeah, sorry about the big breaks, guys. It's been a there's a lot that's there's a lot of life that's happened this year. It's all good. We're gonna we're gonna smooth it out. We're still 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 cooking with fire at the campfire. Oh yeah. But we're gonna we're gonna give that to you guys soon. But one thing we can't say enough is we appreciate you guys. And we appreciate how much the campfire has grown. And we've got some a few new campers in the group. And we just want to remind you guys, like, if, you, if you're enjoying the show so far, please just take a moment. Give us a review. Give us a rating on whatever you're listening to us on, especially if you're listening to us on, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Just you're, you're, Let's be real. You're listening on your phone anyway. Yeah. You got it pulled up. Just hit the star thing and, and say you love the show. It's right at the bottom of the screen right there. And then what that does is it lets more people find the show because – it's more about how many ratings the show has as far as how much it's advertised. So then people can find the show. They come to the show. They send emails in. We get some real ghost stories from people in the campfire that we get to share. And that's what we want to do so much is give you all real stories. So don't forget. We need feedback for that too. We yeah. want to hear what you like and don't like. Episode and ideas we, that you want to hear. Yes, definitely. But, but yeah, don't hesitate. Reach out. Give us that rating. Give us that review. Send us an email, creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. If you like our logo, you can get it on anything just about at spreadshirt.com. Just type in on Google, Creepy Campfire Podcast, and Spreadshirt. It'll pop up. Bam. Mm-hmm. If you have any issues, just email us at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com, and I'll send you a link personally. And, I th- you know, I think that's about it wraps up tonight i think so we you know we're we're enjoying our time here in point pleasant we've we've enjoyed a couple bourbons at this bar uh-huh i think i think it's time we go over and, and uh we we finish the night at that museum one more round see see what else they got going see if they got some other statues in the museum see what other exhibits maybe they got like the cigarette that burned marcella uh, in there i don't know i don't know but we're gonna find out we need to go by mothman cafe too grab a slice uh grab a slice of pie I, that would, they got some mm, more good stuff. I don't care what flavor it is i want some uh-huh but i think that about does it for the campfire tonight we'll let you guys relax into the evening until then everybody remember stay, stay toasty, toasty.